Good evening, everyone. Uh, welcome to this Wednesday, May 18th, uh, 2022 special Board of Trustees meeting with a, a limited agenda, which has been publicly disclosed to you. Um, uh, so thank you for everyone coming. Uh, let's go into roll call, please. Uh, Trustee Banerjee is excused. Trustee Bouquet. Here. Trustee Blue. Not here yet, but she should be here any moment. Uh, Trustee Chapman is excused. Trustee is Steen. Here. Trustee Fox. Here. Trustee Friedman. Here. Trustee Jensen. I don't see her either. And uh, Trustee Splendorio. Here. We do have a quorum. Thank you. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Uh, audience, this evening, uh, we, this is a, uh, it's a very focused uh, Board of Trustees, special Board of Trustees meeting, which is actually follow-up items that we didn't have the space to discuss in prior versions of our meeting. Our first item this evening will uh, be a discussion of a critical component of, uh, uh, of everything out, Alameda Health System. We'll be talking about the foundation, in specific, the budget about the foundation. And then uh, the next item is those of you who were attendant last week know that we approved a strategic plan. We had some uh, uh, in the room discussion about uh, 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 the base model of the strategic plan and maybe talking about some other uh, items related to that. Um, so that's going to be our evening tonight. Hopefully it'll be relatively quick. Madam Clerk, I note that Trustee Jensen is now in the room. Yep, I got her. Thank you. So with that, I think we're, we're going to open up with item A, which is a discussion uh, slash uh, action item. It's the renewal agreement with Alameda Health System Foundation for provision of fundraising and grant services in support of Alameda Health System. The term of the proposed renew renewal is July 1, 2022 through June 30, 2025. The estimated impact of this agreement is $15 million. We've, we've uh, had, uh, we, we make time uh, proposals on this. We've put 30 minutes into this. So hopefully this will be an on-point discussion and we'll get to shared understanding and make sure that uh, we, everyone gets their questions addressed. Um, with that, I'll give it to our CEO, Mr. Jackson. Good evening, sir. Good evening, Chair Bouquet and trustees and to the public. Um, thank you for this opportunity to revisit the conversation regarding the proposed budget for the Alameda Health System Foundation. Um, since this body last considered this last week, um, we've had the opportunity, we being myself, the leadership of the foundation, um, to speak with um, some of the trustees about concerns that they've had and to process a little bit more. And so I believe that Preston, Michael and the team are ready to um, answer more specific questions and pursue the dialogue in the hopes of arriving at a, a satisfactory outcome regarding the budget. So I will turn it over to um, Mr. Preston Walton. Thank you, James. Can everyone hear me okay? Mm -hmm. All right. Um, good afternoon, everyone. And I'm joined uh, today by Michael Gomez, co-chair of our board of directors for the Health System Foundation. Michaela Hayes, Vice President of Partnerships and Engagement for the Health System Foundation. Um, Michaela is not new. She was here episodically throughout many years, so um, a familiar face to several of you perhaps. And Susie Thiemann, our Director of Finance for the Health System Foundation. Um, wanted to give a brief overview, recap of the presentation you've had, and I'm sure you have, have had a chance to review and um, allow my colleagues here to share a few points and then happy to answer any additional questions. Uh, so we are requesting a renewal of our contract with the health system um, over the next three fiscal years through 25. 
uh, with a up to amount of $15 million and up to $5 million each of those years. Um, and a total fundraising goal paralleling that of $30 million raised by fiscal 25. Um, one of the pivots in this contract that is different is historically till this point, the health system has covered, um, provided a subsidy, but the foundation has used unrestricted funding to offset operating expenses before pulling down on um, the contract costs that are covered by the health system. Um, discussions internally amongst our board, um, our foundation staff, that's one pivot we'd like to actually make of not using unrestricted donor funds to, to cover operating expenses. Um, it's our experience, particularly those of us that are fundraisers, that when a donor makes a gift to our foundation that's unrestricted, the intent of that gift is to actually support the patients and services of the health system, not cover the operating expenses of the foundation, um, which also provides additional funding that the foundation is able to um, invest in program services in the strategic direction of the health system. Um, the other thing I want to highlight and point out from a cost standpoint is emphasize that we are asking for an up to amount. Um, our budget, as you've seen in our presentation packet, um, projected next year is 3.9 approximately and really shouldn't hover ever above 4.1. The reason we're asking for an up to $5 million per year and a total up to $15 million or not to exceed $15 million is there are opportunities that we do not know about that may occur over the years that the health system may want us to pursue, that we may want to come to James Executive Leadership to pursue that would benefit perhaps not just the Health System Foundation's fundraising goals, but the health system in its entirety. And so we structured the request really to empower if the board approves James to be able to take as CEO those, James Jackson, I take those actions as CEO. Um, from a benefit perspective, um, in addition to all restricted funds now being reinvested directly back into, if this contract's approved, the health system, we really want to also lean into increased efficiencies and fundraising transparency and partnership, not just with the executive team of the foundation and the health system, um, but with the health system overall. And I think that that is a pivot that it's been a long overdue for the foundation and that we really believe allows us to raise higher levels of, um, of philanthropy and fundraising on behalf of uh, the patients of Alameda Health System. Um, we also are completely concordant and supportive of more frequency and check-ins. Um, one of the things you'll note in the two-page contract summary is that James Jackson's listed as our primary um, executive sponsor. We actually uh, would love to have Kim Miranda be considered as our secondary um, executive sponsor so that we can really provide some transparent oversight from a financial standpoint to the trustees, to the executive team overall. Um, with that, I'm going to hand things over to Michaela to share a little bit about our fundraising success past to present. Okay. Good afternoon. Um, thank you for having me here this afternoon. I am going to very quickly go through the history of the foundation up to the past fiscal year and our accomplishments. Uh, over the years, as you've seen in the slide deck, we, since 1991, when we were founded, we have had four major capital campaigns and just brief highlights in the 1990s into the early 2000s, we raised funds for the Highland Trauma Center, 5.1 million. That was followed by a campaign also for Highland for a combined cardiac cath lab and angiography suite at 2.6 million. And then our, um, most recent major campaign was for the acute 
care tower replacement where we raised 24 million for equipment and also for the health path initiative which did also include the simulation center at highland and then more recently we have the electronic health record campaign and then um, as you see in that timeline that we provided new leadership came in in 2021 and in the past fiscal year, the fiscal year that we're currently in, that will end June 30th, we're really excited to share that we have raised to date $5.3 million. And we did provide um, very detailed information in your slide deck on the funds that we've raised. As you can see, it is across the board for the priority areas of the health system. We did spend a lot of time as we came in uh, Preston, myself, and the other team members working with Alameda Health System to identify the priorities and then to fundraise specifically for those priority areas. We've brought in many new funders, uh, many new donors, as well as rekindling relationships with our prior funders who have given to us over the years. Uh, just a really quick um, couple highlights. Uh, we have um, to date in grant funding raised three point. 1 million in individual gifts and we're really expanding our major gifts. We did have a significant major gift of 1 million, but in addition, many individual gifts at a total of 1.5 million. And then also our major event that we hope you are all will join us at this Saturday evening, Soul of Spring. So far we have projected 300,000, but that number continues to go up as I speak. So the total to date, again, uh, through the end of the fiscal year, 5.3 to 5.4 million with new monies coming in all the time. That's a very quick snapshot. And I will hand it off to our board co-chair, Michael Gomez. Yeah, thanks very much, Michaela. And um, uh, great to see everybody here. Uh, uh, thanks so much for taking the time to, to uh, talk with us this afternoon about this very important uh, topic for us, obviously. I just wanted to offer a couple of um, uh, perspectives from, uh, from the board point of view. Uh, I've been on the board since, since 2015, have, have served as chairman and actually interim president for a time you know, over the last few years, and I'm and currently uh, serving, as Preston said, as co-chair with Dr. Minnie Swift this year. And I guess I've learned several things, um, having been on the board, you know, for I guess what's almost seven years now. And I guess the, the first thing is, is that when we are aligned with the health system on fundraising priorities in areas that resonate with funders, we can raise large dollar amounts. I think I think the greatest example of that uh, in the materials that we sent you are the, and which Michaela just mentioned, is the $24 million that we were raised during uh, what we were calling the acute care tower campaign or the essentially the, the, the campaign for equipping the new tower at Highland that uh, you know, went into service in 2016. That, that campaign started in 2013 and most of the revenues, you know, large gifts take a while to cultivate and take some time to come in. So most of the revenues from that campaign really hit our balance sheet in 2015, 2016, 2017, sort of in there. Um, but it was a great example of where you identify for funders specific needs, that they're interested in equipment for uh, a facility like Highland is always one of those, but was also combined with a very creative use of program grants that, that have always been a strength of the foundation. And, and uh, Michaela just mentioned what was effectively a $10 million grant that, that served to both fund the simulation lab at Highland 
and which has essentially kickstarted the, the Health Path program, uh, which continues to be a huge success and which we continue to build on to this day. So I learned from that, that, that we can do great things when we're really focused and when we're aligned with health, health system management. The current contract that we're operating under, which uh, was negotiated and discussed in 2018, the primary focus of that and the contract really was built upon the electronic health record campaign. And that was a, a real priority for, for uh, CEO Finley. It was a very large capital expenditure, I think $200 million. We had a, we had a nice gift from Kaiser to help with that. And he, he really thought that the foundation should focus you know, almost exclusively on raising an additional bunch of money. I think it was $30 million that was our target you know, for that campaign to help offset that cost. And we all know what benefits the, the electronic health record has been for, for the system. Well, it turned out that funders just weren't interested in that. And there are a variety of reasons for that that we go into uh, during, during the questions. But the focus on that um, did two things. One is it, it wasn't successful as something that private funders wanted to fund. But number two, by shifting our focus there, we really did lose a lot of um, not only staff, uh, Michaela left the foundation during part of that time because we really were um, you know, down, unemphasizing, if you will, de-emphasizing program grants and, and, and focusing specifically on this, on this one particular item. So we lost momentum. We did lose contact and relationship with funders who sort of you know, weren't interested in the health record, but we weren't talking to them about other things. So from that experience, I, you know, I really take that it's really important that we sort of get aligned with, with priorities and that we, we be very um, intentional about our discussions with you about what we're gonna fundraise for and, and uh, you know, be in agreement with your strategic priorities, but that we make sure that you understand and that we both understand sort of what's possible in the philanthropic space. Um, you know, we, we did have some challenges during those years. I'm very, I'm very uh, proud of what the foundation did during COVID, which is obviously another factor which has impacted us over the last couple of years. Uh, we worked hard and raised over a million dollars for COVID relief. And there was some, you know, really good work done over the last two or three years. And I really wanted to acknowledge staff and our board members for doing that work. But by the middle of 2020, I think it was clear that we needed a shift in leadership and an emphasis. And uh, I, was, I was very happy that we were able to convince Preston to join us in January of 2021. And I gave him a very a specific mandate. The board was very clear about this. We need to go back and demonstrate that we can raise large amounts of money. And what that meant specifically was that we wanted him and the team this year to raise $5 million, which was more than we have done in several years, and to, to put us on a pathway where we can get to a consistent level of annual giving of $10 million. And I think that's what's reflected in the contract proposal that we've got before you today is really a ramping up uh, of, of effort and, and uh, engagement with you all and with the rest of the community to really get to that higher level of funding, which we know we can get and which we know that our patients and, our, and, our, and, our, and the system deserve. So that's really what's in front of you from a, from a board point of view. And I, I did wanna let Preston uh, take a little time to explain sort of how we got there this year and what the plan is for the next several years. Thanks, Michael. Um, so in addition to raising the five million plus dollars that we're in, we've raised this fiscal year, we've really been rebuilding the foundation and its relationships from the inside out. So updating systems and processes, recruiting a talented team of individuals that are dedicated to the patients that Alameda Health System serves and bringing philanthropy to support their experience and their health outcomes. Um, we've also leaned in and really tried to, in ways I don't think we've done historically, 
build relationships with executive leaders, department leaders, um, members of team across the organization, which benefits us in truly understanding what's happening across the organization and being able to share the store, those stories with funders and prospective funders. But also as Alameda Health System has been working on its strategic plan, it's allowed us to also start to consider possible futures from a philanthropic standpoint where we can bring in elevated levels of philanthropy to support the strategic direction of the health system. I think, I think part of the non-fundraising work that has been personally meaningful for all of us and important during this time too, in partnership with the health system, is out the gate being able to partner on things like a pop-up vaccine clinic with BB Memorial Church with health system leadership and vaccinating people during an important part um, of the pandemic, being able to bring relief to our, our peers across the health system that have been on the front lines of this pandemic through programs like sending staff to the 1440 Multiversity Retreat, um, through being able to recognize our nurses and physicians through Physicians um, and, and Providers Day and, and Nurses and Hospitals Week. So we really have tried to also shift the culture of philanthropy and engagement with the health system in ways that we think will pay dividends over the years ahead. Um, looking at the years ahead, the strategic plan is an exciting period in time for us. Other than campaigns, the foundations not have the opportunity to truly align with the direction that the health system is going. And we see a lot of opportunity and promise for how philanthropy at a much higher level can support Alameda Health System in achieving and realizing what it's trying to do in the strategic plan. So I'd say we're very excited about that. We're very excited about the idea of elevating philanthropy, but most importantly, we're excited about changing the health outcomes for the patients we serve, their families, and the generations that that represents when it ripples through, and partnering with our colleagues at the health system to do that. Uh, we have the potential, I think, as Michael and Michael have illustrated, to raise big gifts. We've seen that happen before. Um, that will take, you know, us leaning in and our request like this today for resources to do that. It will also take closer alignment with the board of trustees, executive leaders, and staff across the organization. We're ready for that, we're excited about that, and we're very ready also to demonstrate transparently our progress to those goals over the course of time. Um, with that, I'll conclude our remarks and certainly happy to answer any questions from trustees. Well, I, uh, I wanna give thanks to, to you, Preston, you, Michael, and of course, you, Michaela, on, on kind of that lead in for us. So trustees, let's just open it up to questions. Uh, uh, and, and dialogue that we have on this. I see Trustee Jensen's hand up, so I'll go to her first. Trustee Jensen. Thank you. Um, thank you. Can you hear me? You yep. can. Oh, good, because um, I just lost my screen. Anyway, uh, thanks for the presentation. I did actually have two questions. Um, one question was kind of about the, the presentation about the 5.3 million and the, the um, it was just, it was, Pointed out at first, I thought I heard that it was this was grant funding, but then there was some some um, discussion of gifts. And so, can you just um, talk a little bit about where that funding comes from? Is it personal gifts from people, or is it um, grants from other foundations or government agencies, or both? Um, it's both, uh, and appreciate the question very much. Uh, so it's both. About half of the funds that we've raised have come, or more than half, actually, about three quarters from institutions. So largely private foundations, some government foundations that we've worked on specific grants for, and then individual gifts constitute the remainder, about thirty percent. And those range from, you know, the smaller gifts, all of which are important, up to this one million dollar gift that we received, um, and we're 
really focused on those longer term gifts that do take some time to raise and that are larger and have greater impact. But we appreciate every single gift. I hope that answers your question. That answers my question, Michaela. So it's about 70, 30. It sounds like at least in, in recent years. And if I could add to that, Trustee Jensen, I think I want to point out that that's not usual for how you would want fundraising to look in, in most nonprofit organizations. You want a good, more balanced mix of grant funding, but major gifts. The majority of people who make give big gifts in our country are individuals. Out of the 400 plus billion dollars that are given annually in the United States, that's from individuals, not grants. So part of what we're also proposing is shifting finally and creating a more diverse mix of donors for the long-term sustainability of fundraising for the health system. And to your earlier point, that may be, um, in, in your experience at least, that may be because um, individual donors weren't so interested in, in providing funding for the, the health records, the electronic health records. We would agree, we would concur that and so say we'd agree with that. And that I think we feel that we can do a better job in the community of sharing Alameda Health System's story, a very successful story, a story of care providers who have a level of care for patients that many of the people we talk to in the community know don't exist in other health systems. The more we can get that out there one-on-one -on -one with donors, the more excited and more connected donors will be and want to give to the Health System Foundation. Well, that kind of leads to my other question um, about what these funds can be used for. Now, can I, I've heard, I've, I know of many of the projects, of course, I've been on the board for some time, and I, I've seen that the results of, the, of the, the projects that have been funded through the foundation can the foundation fund, um, for example, bonuses? And specifically, I'm, I'm referring to a program that the governor is recommending. It's in the governor's budget that will um, be a $1,000 grant for healthcare providers in this budget. And the grant will be increased by $500 from the state government as long as the, um, the healthcare organization provides a $500 grant. So it could be up to $2,000. And I just, that's just off the top, but that would mean that. AHS would have to come up with $500 per employee in order to get a match of $500. And is that something that the foundation could be um, contribute to or take as a program? Not that I'm recommending it, but I'm just sure. using that as an example of the types of things that could be funded. Michael, feel free to jump in um, if I miss something on this. My honest answer, I would say, Trustee Jensen, is it depends. Um, we would want to investigate further to see what the requirements are. But what I will say from a workforce focus for us, we're very interested in trying to define the ways that philanthropy can support both the existing workforce at Alameda Health System, as well as the workforce we know and that Alameda Health System knows it needs now and going into the future. And so um, not to put Lorna Jones on the spot, but we've had at least one or two ideation sessions with Lorna as Chief Human Resources Officer to start to think about not just now, but the future and how might we create programs um, where philanthropy can support the advancement of staff within the health system, the recruitment of staff from the community. And there are creative ways to do that. The reason I say it depends is we always wanna be intentional around preserving and protecting our 501c3 status. So we always would wanna deeply investigate um, and those types of opportunities. And this one in particular sounds like it would be a great opportunity that we would partner with the Office of Government Grants on and that we would both have a role in, in, in securing. So does that answer your question, Trustee? Yes, it definitely answers my question. Thank you, I'm Preston and Michaela. Thank you, Trustee Jensen. Trustee Fox, then I'll go with Trustee Friedman and then Trustee Slendorio for comments. Okay. And then uh, Trustee Jensen. All right. Uh, thank you, Tim. Yeah, esteem. Mm -hmm. 
Thank you to the foundation leadership for your presentation. Um, when this came before the finance committee two weeks ago, um, I had been led to understand that in 2021, the foundation raised about $2 million. Um, and what I'm used to having been associated with other fundraising foundation is that the ratio of funds raised to support from the host organization was about three to one. So about $3 raised uh, uh, or about $4 raised for every dollar that uh, an administration and support. So when I saw this proposal for $5 million a year for three years, it looked to me to be quite a bit out of proportion uh, to the amount of money that has been, has, had been raised up until this year. Um, I understand that the foundation is looking to raise $5 million this year, but, but that still to me seems out of proportion to the $5 million that this contract would, um, would pay in support over the next three years. Um, so what, what is happening in the budget for next year, and we didn't look at the, those numbers, but I had a call uh, with the foundation leadership on Monday and we went over some of the numbers is, uh, the foundation is projecting expense, operating expenses for <clears throat> 2023 of $3,944,000. Three uh, and if the hospital or, or if, or if AHS, AHS is going to raise our support to cover 100% of the budgeted operating expenses, that would be an 86% increase in AHS support from one year to the next. In terms of budgeted revenue, the foundation is targeting a 40% increase in, in budgeted funds raised to $7 million, um, which, will, uh, which to me is a pretty aggressive budget for an increase, but would still not even come close to uh, the three to uh, the four to one uh, normal proportion of funds raised to uh, the cost of funds raised. Um, so given, given this uh, set of facts, I feel uh, that it's a little bit aggressive to be uh, uh, guaranteeing or, or to be projecting a contract of $15 million over three years um, when we would expect that that would at least bring us in twice or more than twice as much of that in, in fundraising. Uh, and we're not there yet. Uh, I would be more comfortable with a one-year commitment of, of uh, AHS guaranteeing the foundation's expenses of $3,944,000 for 2023. <clears throat> and then when we get to budget time next year, take a look at what the actual results have been. And we could move from there to uh, 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 on the next year or perhaps the next two or three years. Uh, I'm not sure why it's necessary for us to sign a three-year contract <clears throat> with an entity that's essentially a member of the family. Uh, we sign long-term contracts with outside vendors and that's understandable because uh, sometimes we get better pricing and sometimes we can avoid cumbersome contract negotiations with everybody we do business with every single year. But in this case, we're talking about uh, an entity that's part of AHS uh, 
and I don't see why it's necessary to make a three-year commitment when we're in an, uh, a situation of a turnaround and we're not sure which way it's, it's going to go and to what extent it will continue. Also, I don't think that, that AHS makes a three-year commitment to any of its departments or, or uh, operations. Uh, it's it's a, one, a year a year by year budget depending on circumstances and AHS itself is in a turnaround situation so we don't know what our circumstances will be in 2024 and 2025. Thank you, Trustee Fox. I'm going to go with uh, uh, Preston as a response, and then Mr. Jackson maybe if if there's anything to jump in there. Preston, sir, Mr. Walton, sir. Thank you. Um, thank you, um, Trustee Fox. I completely appreciate it, and I, and I understand where you, your perspective is coming from on the Board of Trustees. And you know, I can't speak to past contracts clearly as you know the the the, the newest president here. Um, but what I will offer up, I think, in the perceived theory of the three-year contracts from a fundraising lens, is major gifts, especially, and actually some significant um, foundation gifts and grants do take time. Um, the average major gift, and particularly when you get into the five, $10 million gift level type of work, those can be 18 month conversations where something starts in one fiscal year and then the, the commitment is made in another fiscal year. And then the, the following fiscal year funds start to come in um, to the health system foundation and then to the health system. So that's one approach I think of why um, there's providing certainty to the foundation and being able to have multi-year conversations knowing that the funding and the resources to facilitate many of those at once is, is helpful. That said, I understand entirely given Alita Health System's current financial situation, the need for prudence on the part of the Board of Trustees and being um, good stewards of the, the dollars that are, that are in place. Um, I would offer up as a, a, a gentle reminder that we're asking for approval for up to $5 million a year that we do anticipate, for instance, for fiscal 23 that we can um, keep our budget no higher than that 3.9 and that honestly this budget still needs to go through our board's finance committee and full board as well so it could very well be less than 3.9 once it goes through that process but that the reason we're asking for up to 5 million is for any unforeseen circumstances over the year ahead opportunities that may present themselves that provide the ceo an opportunity if he deems it appropriate to invest in taking taking advantage of an opportunity um, but I think that completely understand the, the, the thinking around perhaps giving this a reset year and then going into conversation the end of that year about what, you know, any extension might look like. I, I'm okay. going to get, Alan, I'm going to get it right back to you in one second and Preston to inform the audience because I'm learning stuff new here. I don't know the philanthropic industry. Can you comment on Trustee Fox's research on the three to one ratio, and then I'm I'm gonna give it back to Trustee Fox, then we're gonna go Trustee Splendorio, then we're gonna go Trustee Friedman, and then we're gonna go Trustee Esteem. Sure, Trustee Fox is spot on, that industry average, we should be closer to a three to one ratio. Um, The staff you you see before us and that's here is coming in at the tail end of a contract where we we have done all we can to correct that ratio within the 16 month span that we can. And we feel proud, I think, of taking this to this level of, without a campaign, we're having raised the most money in a year in a non-campaign for the health system, on top of which the conversation's not recorded in the grants and the gifts we've confirmed that are live. So what's not mentioned in the, the summary that Michaela walked uh, us through is there are three conversations with funders, um, each of which are over a million dollars that we're currently in conversation with. 
Now, we would never count those as in the bag, obviously, until we have a confirmed grant or gift agreement in, in hand. But that shows you some of that multi-year dimension and strength of the time that it takes to secure these gifts. Um, and that is common amongst all other industries. But that three to one average is absolutely correct. We feel most confident that next year we can strive to get to a two to one. But many of our parent institutions are looking at rolling averages. So over the course of multiple years, really optimally getting to a three to one. And in cases higher, I would say we're not at the point, honestly, where we can get to the higher at 3.1, but we do feel we have a glide path we're building to get to a three to one ratio. Um, and more importantly, to get to gifts aligning with the direction the health system is endeavoring to go um, in a much more refined fashion. Thank you, Trustee Fox. Okay, just on one point that you brought up, uh, Preston, and that is, uh, I don't see any situation under which AHS would would decide to withhold funding from the foundation uh, a year or two out. I, I think that we're not looking for any alternative organization to do our fundraising. Uh, you are the foundation for uh, Alameda Health System. Uh, uh, you know, despite my comments, uh, I have confidence in you and your organization. And it's, it's just a matter of, uh, of what's prudent and what the right amount is. So if you're talking to a, a potential donor, uh, that, there's no reason for that donor to get the idea that AHS may totally pull the rug out from the foundation and not support it at all a year from now, just because the budget for that second and third year is not set yet. I think those are great comments, Trustee Fox. Trustee Splendorio, sir. Uh, yeah, let me ask you a couple of questions. Um, um, this is maybe for Ahmad, but I mean, Alameda Health System is a public aid or authority, right? Correct. Right. Right. And, and the foundation is a 501c3, correct? So Preston, do you have donors that will only give to a 501c3? Correct. That's correct. Um, and uh, this is again for probably for James and Mark. Do you have a development staff? No, we do not have a, a designated development team. So, 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 the the foundation is the development team for the hospital, isn't it? And in other hospitals, and in other hospitals, do have a development team, don't they? Many do. Yes. Yeah, many do. So in essence, we've just decided that this is a format that works for us or has worked in the past that instead of just bringing Preston and his folks in-house and paying them directly and doing the development work, we've decided to have a separate foundation because sometimes donors only will only give to a 501c3. I mean, isn't that, I mean, I'm, I'm reading into everything you gave us and everything you said. Isn't that pretty much the way it works? Yes, that I mean, is I'm it. trying to reach. I'm not trying to be a conclusion. I just want oh, to. No, 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 no. Trustee, just just po po point out what point out. There is nothing to me. There's nothing strange about yeah. uh, having a you know an entity that has a resident 501c3 to accept. Don like for example, PG&E will only give money to a 501c3. Correct. I say right. everything you've just described is completely completely accurate. You know, a nonprofit health system would have this in house. The foundation would be fully a part of uh, the health system. And our peers in this, this space of fundraising, overwhelming majority of them, that's how they function. Um, and so that is a great analogy of the think, thinking of us as essentially the development arm. We're just a bit more extended legally outside the organization. Right. 
and and James James if 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 Preston and his staff were under you know as a department under you you would be you would be grading them on their success in raising money over their expenses wouldn't you yes I would yeah and at this point you're you're suggesting that this use of funds is you're satisfied with the return on it well with the projection I think that it's been noted and agreed upon that the past performance would not necessarily warrant the kind of investment that's being presupposed here, but that was kind of the essence of the the, the work that was shared by Michaela and others um, showing that there is um, content, that we believe that they have the, the prospects and the wherewithal and, and the team that they're building will allow them to meet the targets that they have established in a way that they didn't previously. And so this isn't based on past performance. That's that's pretty clear. This is based on our belief that they will be successful in a way that they've not previously. Right. Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. My question, isn't 2022 a 5.05 actual? Yes. Yeah. So yeah, that's right. So, yeah, that, that, that's so. Yeah, that's an actual, not a projection. Well, it, it's either, there is one month left in the fiscal year, and and there are you know a couple of gifts that are right on the edge about whether they'll actually be confirmed between between now and the end of June. But those are all outlined in that list that that Michaela provided as part of the presentation, and we're highly confident that we'll reach the 5.05. The actual number of stuff that we think will come in is actually you know 5.4 million. Yes, sir. But but we're trying to be conservative and and you know. 99% sure that we'll have, you know, we'll, be, we'll hit the $5 million goal. And, and in simple terms, and then back to Trustee Spondorio, uh, we've surpassed operating expenses. Yes, operating expenses this year, uh, uh, again, in the presentation, about 2.6 million for this fiscal year. So we're, we're a little bit under two to one for this year, which is a remarkable turnaround from the numbers that uh, Trustee Fox properly cited for 2021. And I, I'm very proud of the work that the team has done under Preston's leadership in this first full year of his leadership to, to get quickly. I didn't think we'd get quickly to $5 million. So I, I'm, we're very proud of what he's done this year. And I think we have a lot of confidence in the projections for next year. And, and you know, we are trying to build a more robust organization that gets us to, you know, uh, hopefully three to one as quickly as we can, but at much higher, much higher fundraising levels than we've done in you know, since the ATR campaign. I mean, that was sort of, uh, you know, probably our, our uh, you know, apex in terms of the last 10 years. And again, the message I got as a board member having come in right in the middle of that is when, you're, when we're focused, when we're aligned with you all, when, when we've been very honest about what funders are interested in, where we think we can raise money, and we're, we're continuing checking in with each other about strategic priorities and, and uh, all working together, because you guys can really help us with the fundraising. Um, you know, we, we can get there. Yes, sir. Thank you for that. Trustee Splendorio, I apologize. I jumped in. So back to you, then Friedman, then Esteem, then Miranda. Okay. Don't let it happen again. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so really, you know, to me, uh, just, it, it, I'm sorry, you probably gathered where I'm coming from here. I mean, that that the, the executive team for AHS is going would need to have an exec a development team one way or another, right? There are expenses, there are capital campaigns that are going to happen in the life of a public hospital, and you need you just can't. Well, in my opinion, you can't have an ad hoc, like all of a sudden, well, we need a new building and we're going to go find some people that lead the effort. I mean, if you're not working, uh, you know, as I said, beating the bushes every day 
uh, that campaign will necessarily fail. So, so I'm going to be supportive of this, but I, but with one proviso, and that is that I think, you know, the executive, our executive team should have some more oversight than I, than maybe exists at this point, because I, I mean, I'm treating it as if James's team, James and James's team, you know, they, they should have some control. They should understand that. Are we getting to whether it's three to one or four to one or whatever the metric is that James should have an expectation that they're working toward that. And then just so that he reports back to the board so that, you know, I'm, yes, I know what's going on in, the, in that quote department. Um, but I, you know, it, it's, 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 um, we have to have it. And if this is a decide way to, to, to structure it, it's fine with me because I mean, I, I, I'm on a board of a, 501c6, which is the operational board. We have a 501c3, mostly because of PG&E, and but we don't put any dollars into it other than a tax return. You know, mm-hmm. so we have it there because we know we're going to get money from PG&E, and they'll only give it to the 501c3. So it, you know, it makes sense. That's all Thanks. I got, Taft. Thanks. Thank you, sir. Kim has her hand up. I know that. Yeah, we'll go with Friedman and then Esteem, then then uh, CFO Miranda. No. I- Kim's hand looks very insistent. I'm going to cede to her to go before me. Then, then you cede your time to the CFO, Madam CFO? No, just my place. Okay. <laughs> you cede your place. Yes, sir. Right. So just a, a couple comments. I'm first really excited about the new, the foundation leadership. I, I They're, they're um, really coming together, and it's really exciting to see but I, I wanted to point out um, the fact that the funds should actually get transferred to Alameda Health System. Um, I think it's great. I mean, if we've raised the, the almost raised the five million, I mean that's fantastic. But I'm not sure about when the funds actually get transferred to AHS so that AHS can recognize um, that those contributions. Uh, so that was one comment, and maybe uh, maybe the foundation team can answer to that. And then the second thing is. Um, I just wanted to tag on to something that Trustee Fox said about, you know, do we really need a three-year contract? I know that the foundation wants to build up their staff, but maybe we should do it in line with the contributions so that we make sure that we stick to, that we can achieve that ratio. Those are my comments. Thank thank you, Ms. Miranda. Let's go with Trustee Esteem, then Trustee. Wait a minute. I thought I was next. No, you gave it up. You go to the back of the line. (laughs) <laughs> I just let her slide in front of me because she only had two items and I had seven. Well, t- tr- Trustee Esteen, is that acceptable to let your, your colleague go ahead of you before he throws a fit on me? That's all right. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm playing. Go, go Trustee Friedman. Okay, thank you. Um, the great thing about fundraising is it's super easy to measure. Um, you don't need as many complex metrics and North Stars and East Stars, et cetera, in order to know if you're doing a good job or not. It's a bottom line business. I got a chance to meet with the team from the foundation for over an hour on Monday, and I was very impressed that they really have a plan. They know what they're doing. They were very candid about errors of the past, and it was a good conversation, and I felt that we have a very professional, experienced team in place. That said, I hear what Trustee Fox is saying, 
And I think a way to do it might be that we approve the funding for one year. And if the milestone of $10 million is raised, that it automatically rolls over into an additional year of funding. And that um, somewhere in the second year, we would evaluate where we are in terms of future funding. And I think at that point, if we're hitting our milestones, then I'd be more comfortable with the three-year commitment, but we're not hitting them yet. Thank you for those great comments, Trustee Friedman. Trustee Esteem. Um, I think that we shouldn't start meetings at four o'clock anymore because everybody gets nuts. Okay. I was going to say that. This, uh, more, more nuts than 5.30 p.m.? It feels that way. Everybody's energetic. We like right. that. I have a few questions. I'm also a little energetic too. Um, one of the questions, this is very personal. What do you expect the uh, other obligations will be for trustees? I hear you want us to have a bigger role. So that doesn't have to be the first answer. Second question is, um, and I, I appreciate Kim's comments because my question is going to be about extra expenses and how that falls in line with your expectations um, for workload or, you know, there were lines in the budget. I'm very curious about the increases and what they're going to cover. And then third question is, um, are you anticipating starting a capital campaign or will you continue fundraising in the manner that you have this year? And I don't know if that's something for public discussion at this point, but if it is, I'm very curious what you're taking up because, you know, we've had a lot of conversation about capital expenses and our need for more money. Great questions. I'm going to suspensefully answer the trustee involvement one last um, and first jump to um, the increase, particularly that you probably have noticed in some of the detailed increased expenses. Um, we've tried to be really intelligent about how we, and you know, being stewards of the investment from the health system, utilize our funds. So I'd say, first and foremost, we're, we feel very confident we're in a position to bring on talented major gift fundraisers. Um, we did not feel that way 16 months ago. That The reason we feel confident about that is because of the operational work we've done behind the scenes on everything from our donor database to improved marketing and moving in the direction of strategic marketing plans of how we get the story about the health system out. To recruit a talented fundraiser, you want to bring, one wants to bring in someone that can dedicate that entire role to fundraising with individuals, not encumber them with administrative work, not encumber them with um, detailed um, types of things, but out meeting with individuals, with companies, et cetera, securing gifts. Um, gets into a whole rabbit hole of portfolios and how many visits you can get in within a month. Um, so we feel like we've built the apparatus to do that. Um, in quicker time, I would argue, I would um, mention too, than some of our nonprofit health system peers. We belong to the Association of Health um, Healthcare Philanthropy, which is a national association of all fundraisers in healthcare. And um, won't surprise you that you know we've dived into that membership. So. I had lunch with um, the president, of, a peer president in Southern California of a nonprofit health system that's contracted to serve a very similar population to the one we serve and a nonprofit health system that's highly profitable in Southern California. Um, and both of those chiefs of development were very impressed with how quickly we've gotten the operational and budget and implementation in place and agreed you all need to get fundraisers on board to maximize this. That's part of it. Um, part of how we've also achieved that, for instance, is from a marketing storytelling, our website, how we engage with donors from a donor relations standpoint, we in the past have had a staff member dedicated to that. 
Um, we don't think that's the best use of funding to have a staff member versus using a marketing agency model, for instance, where we're then not having to necessarily pay the overhead benefits of a staff there that can leverage an entire firm and being able to help us do that episodically and as opposed to you know, the ebbs and flows of when those projects happen. Um, and then to the campaign question, I would say, um, campaigns are, are necessary in the course of fundraising, but they shouldn't, in my opinion, as a president, be the norm. I think historically we've gone to campaigns as a like, we need to raise a lot of money campaign. I think more, if you look at successful organizations across healthcare and philanthropy, you can secure big gifts, not in a campaign. A campaign is a terminology and a way of thinking to get the internal audience excited and focused on what needs to happen and to get the external audience excited. Um, when you go public with a camp, the whole point of a campaign, Trustee Esteen, is to raise the money, the bulk of it, at least 75%, before you go public. When you go public in a campaign, university, hospital, whatever, it's about creating the excitement and the enthusiasm to get to that home stretch. But any organization or fundraising team that has done their job well, they already know how they're getting to the home stretch. It then becomes a marketing PR machine around wow, this is exciting. I want to be a part of this. I don't want to be left out of where this organization is going. I think where we're at right now, this is subject to change. I think in conversations that James and I will have, that our board will have, that we'll have with the executive leadership team, I have no doubt that there are capital needs in the next three to five years that need to be addressed in the health system. What we would ask, I think, of our, our peer executive leadership on the health system side and of the trustees as well is, to listen to our expert advice on if that could, can and should be done in a campaign, or if we think that can be done without being in a campaign. Um, because being in a campaign also triggers a definite increase in cost of how you go about doing that type of fundraising. And so we're trying to be shrewd and conservative about really creating a model where we secure big gifts without being in a campaign first. And when we need to do those campaigns for those reasons, we're really geared well to do them and do them efficiently um, and trump and, and sharing that success. And then back to your last, your first question about trustee engagement and involvement. Um, we would love to meet with you each individually and learn about you, your passion, what has driven you to be called to this role of ensuring the future of this organization and the present. And from a funder perspective, our funders look to what every stakeholder in this organization is doing. So they care about, um, they care about our board's involvement. And we try and strive to, to, to achieve 100% giving amongst our board every year. Because some funders ask that specifically, is your board at 100% giving? Um, other funders are going to be equally as curious, particularly as we get into larger levels of gifts, of we see this relationship with the Health System Foundation. What is their board's engagement? Are you collaborating? Is there alignment? Are you coming together to advance health equity in all its forms for the patient population? And so I think that involvement can take a number of forms, and it will probably be different for each member of the board based on time, bandwidth. Um, interest and the relationships that we might be able to leverage to advance the mission of the health system. But I think for, you know, I, before I came in this role of president years ago, I was a consultant. And in the time between, I've been a resident of Alameda County. I have wanted for years, and it was part of my excitement to coming back to the health system foundation, this role to build more transparency and alignment. We all care about where this health system can go. We're talking about really just pulling the cloak back and let's talk about how we get there and get there in an efficient manner, a, 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 caring manner to our community and show up for our community and our patients as well in a way that they may not have seen a show before and that gets them engaged with their care in new ways as well. So does that answer your questions, Trustee Esteen? 
Yeah, thank you for that. And I really appreciate uh, you bringing in the community at the end, because that's a, been a big discussion point as we are drafting and creating the strategic plan that we want to make sure the community is integral to how we move forward in the years to come. So um, I'll, I'll put this up, maybe, maybe perhaps this is one of the last questions as, as we perhaps entertain a motion. So- uh, Dr. Chair, Trustee Blue has arrived. I don't know if you noticed. Yes, yeah, sorry, I did. I, I, I messaged our, so let the record show that Trustee Blue is here as well. Good evening, Trustee Blue. We're, we're talking about the foundation um, uh, budget item. Um, I guess my, this is a question to both uh, our CEO and Mr. Walton. So uh, as you know, we have a fiduciary responsibility as, as trustee members. I think both trustees Fox and trustees Friedman uh, completely embody that fiduciary commitment to us. And they've had a discussion and question about one year uh, evaluations with, with sort of ongoing evaluations, which is sort of parallel to how other processes work within the organization. Can each of you individually comment on, on, that, on that option? With, with a focus on uh, the potential unintended consequences of that. Happy to, and Preston, would you like for me to go first or do you wanna take the first bite? Um, I'll take the first bite of the apple. Um, I would say that I, I, I feel very comforted and supported by you know, the conversation here today and Trustee Fox, I appreciate you know, the conversation we were able to have with you and Trustee Friedman with you as well. And I feel, confident in the support for the foundation being an integral part of where the whole system goes. And I understand the fiduciary side and the responsibility there. So I think that in the year ahead, we can certainly strive towards hitting and, and knowing that when we say a $7 million goal, that's what we feel most confident with. Know that Michaela, myself, the team, we're very competitive in general. So we would strive to oversubscribe that goal. And I think along the way in the year, something that we have already been moving towards is trying to create clear benchmarks and transparency for our board and our understanding of what success looks like along the way. I think that there's an opportunity to provide, you know, a number of updates and reporting throughout the year uh, to individual trustees or, you know, as appropriate in a, in a, in a trustee meeting so that, that, that executives, trustees are abreast of our progress. And I do feel comfortable with, you know, assessing, you know, towards the end of the fiscal year, to determine what the future looks like. Thank you, Mr. Walton. Mr. Jackson, sir. Certainly. I am. Um, I will say that um, this what it amounts to is kind of a, a show me agreement um, because the trustees, I think rightly, would like to see um, results and not promises. And that I don't mean that pejoratively, but that's just, that's the fact. Um, it's similar to the situation that this administrative team was in when we came in last year and um, we had a similar kind of um, challenge and I believe that we met the test and, and exceeded the test and um, I'm comfortable moving in that same direction in this instance. I will tell you that in talking to Preston I asked him what were some of the unintended consequences of a one-year agreement versus the longer term and um, a couple of things that Preston shared. One is um, some funders may ask about the nature and the term of the relationship. And so a one-year agreement could potentially signal to them a lack of um, commitment on the part of AHS. Um, Trustee Fox, you were unequivocal in your statement that you do support and the board does support the foundation. And I think that 
this could be messaged in a way that it doesn't negatively impact fundraising or at least to, to the extent possible. So there's that piece. Secondarily, um, talking to Preston, we discussed his building his team. There are you know, up to three positions that are um, envisioned in the coming year. And he's trying to build the caliber of team that will allow him to achieve the goals that have been stated. And talent um, has choices. And if they believe that there is a lack of, of support for this foundation, um, those talented folks might choose to go elsewhere. Again, we can make reference back to this conversation. We can allow them to speak to trustees to help um, allay any concerns that they might have. But I just wanted to be very clear and present. If I misstated any of that, please say so. But that was the feedback that I got from you in regards to those two elements, unintended consequences. Those are, no, I completely agree with you, James. And I think that the conversation today has given me much more comfort in our ability to navigate that. Um, so I appreciate the opportunity to have talked that through. Thank you, sir. Trustee Splendoria. Please address what I, what I want to talk about and that, or is that I, I don't want to constrain this effort. Um, so if you're comfortable with one, both of you are in precedent, James, if you're comfortable with one year, I'm supportive, but, but I, but I would, my druthers are that it, you know, you have the runway to succeed. And I don't think one year is enough. I mean, I would rather have, you know, whether it's two years or three years, something longer, and then check-ins, and you know, and put primarily with James, but then James and the foundation can come back to the board and say, this is where we've been. I mean, I, you know, I would much prefer that because I, I think the unintended consequences are greater than you may be presenting to us because I don't want people to leave or you're unable to hire people because you think you may be, only around, although that's ameliorated by the fact that, you know, hey, we're all here a short time, right? I mean, um, and, you know, we, we, we could be fired or we could decide to leave tomorrow. So, that, that, I mean, that's fair. But, but I, like I said, I, I, I don't want to see, I'd rather have check-ins and give you the, the, the adequate resources to, to, to succeed. Thank you. If, if I may, Chair Bouquet. Uh, uh, Mr. Jackson and Mr. Walton. Thank you. Well, um, Trustee Splendorio, um, I appreciate and your comments and they resonate with me. I do think more than one year would be preferable, but I'm, I'm sensitive to the fact that, you know, you're the stewards of scarce resources as are we in our administrative capacities. And so if a one year deal is the one that the majority of the trustees feel is the right one, we will make that work. In full candor, I do think uh, a longer deal, whether it's two years or, or three, would make the work that Preston and the team has to do, and by extension, my team has to do, it would make it easier, but we'll make it work. Preston, sir, and Mr. Walton, sir. My sentiments were similar that, you know, I think we're wanting to be as transparently aware and, and, and respectful of the situation in general that the health system and the trustees find themselves in as being, you know, fiduciary shareholders of that those resources. So, you know, I'm an optimist. So you tell me we got a year, we will make a year work. We will impress the hell out of everyone in that year. Um, would I feel more comfortable? Could we be more strategic? Could we be more visionary in the types of levels of gifts we go after if we had at least a two-year agreement? Absolutely. And it would allow us to set up conversations, as I described earlier, that will take longer to maturate, but that the RI on would be transformational for the, for the health system foundation and the health system. Thank you, Mr. Walton. Trustees, I think we're at the place where uh, 
we we can receive a motion. Does anyone feel forward comfortable putting forth a motion for action? I would do that. Yes, sir. Go for At it. First, uh, just let me say that I've worked for. This will be my third or fourth foundation that I've worked with, and I haven't worked for other foundations where there were anything more than annual budgets, and I've never heard that the absence of a longer commitment has hindered uh, longer-term um, fundraising efforts. Uh, because as in, in most cases, the foundation has been in existence for many years, as ours has, and so has AHS, and nobody's going anywhere. We're just talking about about numbers. So I would offer a motion that the uh, that AHS would approve a $5 million level of support for fiscal 2023. Um, and the option to roll that over to a second year based on performance of the foundation to be discussed at the May 2023 Finance Committee and Board meetings. We have a motion on the table. Um, uh, Madam Clerk, was that clear in that motion? Uh, yeah, it was to approve the fi uh, $5 million level support for fiscal 2023 with the option to roll into a second year based on performance of the foundation and to be discussed at the May 23 finance and board meeting. I, I, excuse me. Uh, yes, sir. Friendly amendment. I think that should be up to $5 million. Yes. May I make a point of order and just ask, uh, just for my own clarification, is May the best time for us to get the update or should we try to get something sooner in case you guys are doing really well, we can just make the commitment earlier? On or before May. There we are. I accept that, um, that uh, adjustment. So Madam Clerk, let, let's, let's wordsmith here. I think the motion on the table is to approve up to $5 million for this year with an interim report uh, on or before May of next year, which would then trigger funding for year two. Does that sound correct, uh, Trustee Fox? Yes. Um, I'll second. We have a second. Uh, so before we go into a roll call, I, 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 will, I, I will take the chair's podium and say, this board of trustees has unanimous and unabashed support of this foundation. So, so um, I hope that you guys feel that. And, and if there, I, I would say that if there was any question from a donor about stability, send them our way. And, and I, I think we would, I, I would think that any of us, I want you guys to feel that. And we have a fiduciary responsibility and we have support of you. Um, so uh, that's my statement. If anyone else wants to make a statement, I'll allow it, and then I'll, I'll go into a roll call. Well, I'll say this. After hearing from uh, Preston, our commitment will be demonstrated by our partnership with the foundation as trustees. Thank and you. Taff, let, let me just say as, as uh, chairman of the foundation board, that while it may be the motion that we come to you, you know, prior to next May or at least by next May, we, we will be talking to you a lot more frequently than that. We really do appreciate the communication. We think it's important and incumbent upon us to keep you updated. And uh, we do really much, we feel the love here. Thank you so much. Um, you know, it's much appreciated. And uh, it, you, you've given us a lot of, a lot with which to work over this next fiscal year. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mike. 
Mr. Gomez. Looking around, Madam Clerk, roll call, please. Trustee Bouquet. Aye. Trustee Blue. Aye. Trustee Esteen. Aye. Trustee Fox. Aye. Trustee Friedman. Aye. Trustee Jensen. Aye. Trustee Splendoria. Aye. The motion passes. Congratulations, Foundation. Thank Great. you very Thank much. You. Thank you. We're really looking forward to working with you over the coming year. See you on Saturday night. Yeah. Uh, uh, Thank uh, you so much. Please. With that, we will close item A. And uh, once again, uh, the, the chair has faltered in uh, appointing 30 minutes for that agenda item. So, so uh, uh, let's go to item B. This is the strategic plan. Everyone recalls uh, that um, last week we approved the strategic plan. There, was some dis uh, there are two follow-up items. One is uh, the name of the strategic plan. And, and then the second is there was discussions on, if you will, uh, the preamble uh, to, to, to this strategic plan uh, as Trustee Banerjee, who unfortunately cannot make it tonight, said, said being unapologetic in our mission. And uh, there, there's, there's a working draft out there and we, uh, 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 it's in the packet for the trustees. I don't know if they have access to it. The public may not have access to it. I, I will unfortunately bring out my reading voice and read what it says uh, in a second but I'm gonna give this item to uh, Mr. Jackson to start out with. Sir. Fantastic. Uh, I will share screen if you don't mind. Um, and the host has disabled sh screen sharing. So Ahmad, can you assist me? Great, thank you very much. And what I'm sharing um, is simply, um, let's see. So if you are able to see my screen, please give me a thumbs up. Okay, and um, this is the memo that went to the trustees uh, yesterday, and it essentially describes what we have done to come to a, a name that we believe really captures the spirit of what we are trying to achieve with our, our plan going forward. Um, our Huron partners, um, co they coalesced um, our department leaders group. We did a, a word cloud where we pulled together um, some of the key themes that were reoccurring. Um, and then they brainstormed with our PACE team to come up with paving the way for excellence, uh, paving the way to excellence for all, paving the way to excellence for all. So that is the name that we have proffered as the name for the strategic plan going forward and wanted to have a dialogue with the trustees about that name and um, see if we can move to approval on that. James, can you take us back to full screen, sir? Certainly. Trustees, uh, it's uh, the 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 name on the table is paving the way to excellence for all. Uh, the strategic plan is one of the two most important things that we do, apart from hiring and managing our CEO. So we're here to deliver a strategic plan, which with, with the bow on it includes the naming of it. So I'll open this up for commentary and a possible action item for approval of it. Trustees, any comments on this title, Paving the Way to Excellence for All? Wow, crickets. Trustee Friedman. I'll move approval. Trustee Friedman, and then I, we have a motion which is in play. Yeah, um, my question is, have the folks at the foundation been checked in with regarding the name since, you know, this could be part of what they're gonna be marketing when they're seeking funds? So 
that's a that's what I, I will ask Preston um, to weigh in. I, we certainly took it to department leaders of which he's a part, but Preston, do you wanna address that question? Sure, I'm certainly aware of the process that's gone through and from a naming standpoint, I mean, one can have an endless discussion about what to name something. Um, it's a pleasant sounding name. I think we would say, I think we can get behind it and we can use it to, to, to go out and talk about. I think we're gonna be more interested um, to be honest in how we talk about it how we socialize it, how we discuss it with individual donors, groups of donors, institutional funding, et cetera. But it's, it's got legs we can work with to, to sum that up. Thank you, Mr. Walton. Any other commentary? Trustees, we have a motion on the floor. Do we have a second to approve this name, paving the way to excellence for all? Second. Madam Clerk. All right, Trustee Bouquet. Aye. Trustee Blue. Aye. Trustee Chapman. Oh, I'm sorry, she's not here, apologies. Trustee Esteem. Aye. Trustee Fox. Aye. Trustee Friedman. Aye. Trustee Jensen. Aye. And Trustee Splendoria. Aye. The motion passes. It has a name on it, so thank you. Um, all right, one, one component. Thank you, Mr. Jackson. Mr. Jackson, can you just lead us into, or, or give us a, re a refresh on some of the discussion which happened at the last board of trustees around, if you will, a preamble to the strategic plan and the like? Yes, I would be happy to. There was um, a, I thought a very engaged and um, important um, conversation about um, equity, health equity um, and diversity and inclusion and how that is woven into um, our the ethos of our strategic plan. Um, I think that there was, and this, these are my words, I think there was a sense that um, we had not done a, enough to really, um, in a full-throated way, express our commitment to the principles of HETI. And subsequent to that, um, Trustee Banerjee has shared um, some proposed um, language that um, she believes would um, be more expressive of the commitment of the Alameda Health System to the heady principles. And so I, that is what has been brought forward to this body for consideration this evening. Yes, sir. Trustees, any commentary? Uh, and actually, let me ask you, trustees, uh, I, I know many of you uh, were on a shared work document uh, mm -hmm. drafting, going, uh, helping to craft this. Um, are, have, are all trustees aware of at least a version of these, these, this working statement? I see one head nodding. I see two heads nodding. Okay. Uh, trustees, uh, it's, it's actually in the packet. It was a late addition to the packet. Actually, I think it happened. It might've happened today. Is that right, Madam Clerk? So, so it's, it's possible that you have not eyeballed it. So uh, I guess here goes my reading voice and it's in your packet. And this is for those of you who haven't heard it. And, and I'll say this is sort of the preamble to the, the strategic plan. Alameda Health System is committed to provide the highest quality care to communities it serves. No matter the challenges, AHS's commitment to care, heal, teach and serve all remains unwavering. We envision a culture of health in Alameda County in which good health and well-being are shared values and flourish, where resources work well, 
systems are just and the ecosystem of opportunities are worthy of the vibrant, diverse communities. Our strategic plan involves commitments and actions at all levels, patient, organizational, community, and societal, and envisions a path that values people equally and treats them equitably. Achieving optimally equitable solutions requires examination of structural and social drivers of health. As health disparities are systematic, avoidable health differences adversely affecting socially and racially disadvantaged groups. Sorry, I read the comma wrong. We aim to strengthen cross-sector partnerships for coordinated, integrated action across every sphere of AHS's influence so that barriers that interfere with high quality, culturally affirming, equitable, patient, and family-centered care are eliminated and excellence becomes our norm. Integrating the voices of our employees, patients, staff, executive leaders, trustees, and external constituents, the Alameda Health System 2022-27 Strategic Plan sets us on a path to center our patients, families, and communities and build foundational excellence in quality care, community connection, staff, and physician experience and sustainability. We intend to strengthen and expand our capacity from a largely hospital-based downstream approach of individual level medical care towards a system-wide adoption of population-based systems of primary and community-based care in alignment with the aspirations of our communities and strategic partners. With unwavering commitment to a just culture, Alameda Health System aims to continuously improve critical consciousness, capacity, and accountabilities to identify and confront barriers to care. Caring, healing, teaching, and serving all and building healthier communities will require multifaceted approaches that bring together stakeholders and leverage collective power to build a seamless continuum of care. The actions set forth in the strategic plan demonstrate AHS's commitment to serving our patients, employees, and the constituents of Alameda County now and into the future. Creation of the plan is only the beginning, and we have confidence that AHS, in partnership with our stakeholder community, will bring integrity and unwavering dedication and leave no stone unturned in bringing this plan to fruition. Good job, trustees, on those of you who contributed. So um, I'm gonna open this up to commentary and I'm also gonna include Dr. Minnie Swift, who's our VP of Population Health. She's also the Dr. Swift co-chair or chair of the HEDI committee. Uh, she, she, co-chair. She's co-chair of the HEDI committee. Uh, and I, I wanna invite her into this discussion. So I think trustees, you remember the genesis of this discussion about being, uh, as trustee Banerjee said, more unapologetic in who we are and what we do. So I'm gonna open up the floor to dialogue on, 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 on the uh, introduction of this part to our already approved strategic plan. Trustees. Trustee Friedman. Uh Sorry, I had a chance to talk to uh, Trustee Banerjee a few times about this. Um, the original version was, let's just say, pretty unwieldy and um, difficult to sort of... Thank you, sorry, some sound was coming in there. Um, 
unwieldy and difficult to kind of wade through and kind of redundant. And I know through comments through my fellow trustees and staff, um, what we see now I think is, is much better and more succinct and focused. I think there's still some work to be done to tighten it up. Um, I'm glad to help with that if the trustees think agree with me. For example, under closing, the first sentence was 70 words in one sentence. Um, I'm, I'm not intending to have a grammar discussion or to wordsmith uh, right now, but I think it's safe to say we could get it still shorter and a little uh, more succinct and clearer. And, uh, and I don't wanna do that process right now, but I, that's my feeling. I, I think the sentiment of it is great the thrust of it, the tone of it, the uh, setting the context is really useful, but um, that's it. Great comments, Trustee Friedman. Let's go with trustees Jensen, then Esteen, then Splendorio, then Blue. Um, I agree with uh, Mark's comments that there, there, it was a little bit, and of course, I'm. I'm appreciate that um, Trustee Banerjee took the lead on this. It was, there was um, not only unwieldy, but I think that it didn't really, the, the language initially didn't really get to the, um, the concepts and the, and the values that we held, that we hold at Alameda Health System. The pillars do for the most part. Um, and of course the actions and the, and the outcomes that we will be looking towards but I think um, the preamble really has to set the tone. And I, I think that the changes are, are um, do that. Thank you, Trustee Jensen. Trustee Esteen, then Trustee Splendorio, then Trustee Blue, then Trustee Fox. Yeah, I appreciate the uh, dedication to the duty of making sure our strategic plan holds truth and vision of the health system. And I think part of our vision is making sure that we strive for excellence as we serve all. And this preamble, um, though wordy, does capture uh, that vision pretty well. And uh, I've edited some. Uh, I agree with you, Trustee Friedman, that it, a 70 word sentence is a mouthful. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm also happy to help wordsmith at a later time if you want to, but I can also leave that to you. Yep, you know, you, you volunteered first, so. Well, let's put it this way. If you weren't running for office, I would not feel bad about taking you up on that offer, but I, in good conscience, I can't make you sit down and uh, go through word by word at this point in your life, but it's a gracious offer. Thank you, Trustee Asin. Trustee Splendorio, then Trustee Blue, then Trustee Fox. Um, yeah, can Kenny, um, you know, it was wonderful that she took the lead and I, and I, I, uh, a lot of red marks on on it, and and I would have done. I told her this. I, I'm not talking out of turn here. I told her that I probably could have probably gotten it down to three or four paragraphs. Um, but um, she she did she did some you know make things shorter, clearer, and um, but you know I, I'm not going to substitute my 
desire to be more of a, uh, a Hemingway, Hemingway style writer, which is short sentences. Old man uh, in the sea, 120 pages. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 just the way I I write and edit. And but um, but I got to respect others who you know want to. Um, um, but I will add, uh, and, and this is uh, you know you have to ask, and maybe you already did this: is who's the audience? And, and if you don't ask who the audience is, then you don't write for the audience, then you've done your, you've wasted your time. So that's the only thing I would, whoever is going to, and I do agree if, if, you know, if, if Mark wants to take it up and be the editor, um, good for him. Um, it, it, it's just that remember who the audience is, who you're writing for and write for them and not for me or not for Kinkini or not for Mark, but whoever that audience is. Thank you, Trustee Splendorio. Let's go with Trustee Blue, then Trustee Fox, and then um, Dr. Swift. Hi, everyone. Sorry I was late. Um, so Kenny and I also had a discussion on this. And uh, while I do admit it's a little bit strong, but I'm not a wordsmith person, right? Uh, so I'll leave that to others. But what I like about the content is that it addresses the current situation in our country around healthcare, that healthcare equity has to be front and center in our mission uh, because of who we serve in the community, right? The majority of our folks are low-income, poor people, uh, lots of immigrants, right? Who don't have access um, to care. And so they come to us. So I think uh, the message is very sharp. And I do agree that we have to figure out who our audience is Right, but I think the way it's written, it will attract a broad audience, including our patients, right? And including uh, allies that we have. And I hope that the statement will also um, garner support, gather support from community-based clinics, right? Because that's our audience also, because their patients a lot of them don't have health insurance and they end up in the hospital, our hospitals to be taken care of. So I think it speaks to them so that they see that they're also part of our strategic plan in terms of building closer relationships with the community-based clinics. Um, the only other thing that I, I don't know if we address it here, but and maybe it's for, for another discussion but I don't get the connection that we have with the public health system in the county. I don't get it, right? And I don't know if our public health clinics that are run on the county side, if they have a close relationship with the Alameda health system. I don't know if anybody can answer that, but to me it's, you know, you don't ever hear about how the outpatient county clinics that are run by the public health department interact that closely with us. So maybe that's a different one, but somehow we got to connect that in too so that we connect all of the dots. Because I was kind of surprised that we were not in charge of the public uh, health clinics because I'm used to county, county health systems that pull in uh, public health seen as one, you know? 
Thank you for those comments, Trustee Blue. I think that's a related but different one uh, than this item. And my comments to you is uh, many of these dialogues will be born out of the governance discussions, which are which are happening because we are, we are one of we're two. There are two of 21 public health systems in California who have our model. Uh, and and so we're not part of the county directly, but yet we are. So I think that these these uh, governance structures have probably created an unintended consequence of, of a suboptimal connection between us and public health is my opinion. Uh, Trustee Fox, then Trustee Jensen, then Dr. Swift. Well, um, I support this. I, I think it's well done, especially in the final draft. I just wanna make sure that our management team is prepared to, um, to operate within, within these statements because, uh, you know, it's possible that uh, lots of decisions that are made uh, will be looked at in the light of this, uh, in the light of this statement. And I, I just wanna make sure that James and, and his team are ready to go. And there, there, there may be some work required. For instance, it says, achieving optimally equitable solution requires examination of structural and social drivers of health. Uh, they may seem to be obvious to us, but it's possible we may have to do some work to, uh, to arrive at what those drivers are. So James, just wanna make sure that your team is, is ready to work within the, the, uh, the meaning of the statement. I really appreciate you calling that question, Trustee Fox. Um, I, I view this as it's a guide, it is aspirational, but what I would be wary of is having this can tie our hands in a way that we're not able to you know, manage our day-to-day -day operation because our reach exceeds our grasp. And so that's, that's the challenge that I see. I think as it's drafted, we, we can manage that, but I just, that is the only caveat that I would offer. I would also ask, um, Leslie Grimmer from here on is with us this evening and this is her book of business. She developed strategic plans and I think it may be um, instructive, illustrative for the trustees to hear from Leslie um, on how something like this statement could impact our strategic plan. So if I may, I'd like to ask Leslie to share a few thoughts. Go for it, Ms. Grimmer. Thank you. Yeah, I would, um, I, I love the, the aspirational statements and I think um, big pieces of that um, preamble really do set the stage for um, what your intentions and your aspirations are. And I think to tie the two conversations in this meeting together, I think really gives the foundation um, uh, an inspirational document and, and a statement that they can go and, and get the community rallied around um, from a donation standpoint. So I'm, I'm loving all of those pieces. I, I agree with many of what has been said, this version, um, I personally am much more comfortable with than the first version. And as you revise, um, I would suggest that you keep an eye on, um, while maintaining the aspiration, um, being cautious about broad statements that set expectations that will be difficult um, to achieve and leave your constituents feeling um, that you're um, not meeting the mark. And, and I think we aspire to comments are, um, are you know, are great. Uh, we will do this gets um, just gets it's difficult um, to oftentimes tie that to to those actual actions and accomplishments across the five year period. 
Thank you, Ms. Grimmer. Trustee Jensen, Dr. Swift, Mr. Fratsky, then Dr. Tornabene. Um, first of all, I just, I, I um, included, I'll just share with you my comments and they're in the book. Um, my suggestions were to um, make some changes to the, the pillar, the two pillar definitions. Um, one, the first pillar was staff and clinician contributions. And um, it, it, I appreciate Leslie and the Heron staff that in my discussions with, before our, our meeting last week, uh, I think I mentioned this last week, I was wanting to have um, part of the circle really acknowledge and, and um, include staff contributions. And so that's, that's still included and that was added and included now in the circle. And again, um, so my changes to the pillar were also to more be more um, intentional, I guess, and in um, the staff and and um, clinician contributions. That was with my messy handwriting on the what's in the packet, but I had suggested a change that the a from um, AHS recognizes the critical contributions made by our staff and clinicians in serving our patients and communities to AHS staff and clinicians are fundamental to establishment of a patient-centered environment. I can't believe my name. So I, I just really wanted to strengthen that and make it in, in, make it um, not, not, I guess it's different. I don't wanna make it aspirational and don't wanna say that we recognize that. I wanna say that we, or that we, we really recognize it and we know that that's the most one of the most important parts of, of providing quality care. And similarly, um, in the patient, HS patient places patients at the center, um, my change was, the, the original language was, patient and family-centered care is the heartbeat of Alameda Health System Care philosophy. HS meets the needs of our patients, their families and populations of patients through collaborative partnerships, uniting patient, family, communities, and the healthcare team. We support patients in making informed choices about their care and in adopting lasting pathways to wellness. And I'm a little bit less hung up on this one, but my suggestion was really to be um, more, more direct, I guess. AHS constantly strives to identify and eliminate racial, gender, cultural barriers to healthcare access with regard to access. And, and this is in relationship to the change to the preamble. So those are my two comments on the pillars. and. Um, I think I'm going to share my screen now and um, add something that was did not make it into the packet. McKinney and I talked about this and perhaps some of the other board members did as well. But um, this was the... Do you have sharing? Yeah, I think I'm able to uh, share. Can you see my screen? Yes. Okay. This was to the... Um, HS mission, vision, and promise. And so my question here, this, I didn't really, um, Trustee Banerjee and I talked about this and um, she, and I actually talked today a little bit about it as well. And she was supportive of this, but um, where did this, the promise, where did that arise from? Is that something that has been with our um, prior strategic plan or was it part of our um, mission statement? Trustee Jensen, this is legacy. This is uh, from actually, I think it, my recollection is it dates to the Lassiter administration. Well, um, I, I personally, and I, um, Kinkini, Trustee Banerjee agreed that the, the promise is not 
it doesn't add value, put it that way. Uh, especially suggesting that um, other, other health systems don't train, teach, and lead. There are other health systems that actually do train, teach, and lead. Other health systems actually um, ed educate and enable people to better care for themselves. We're not alone. We're not the only system that does these things. And it just is, it's not really effective to make this, to, to, to say this is a promise. It's, it, it's not written as a promise. And so I am suggesting and Kinkini agreed when we spoke about it um, earlier today and yesterday that this should just be stricken. Thank you, Trustee uh, Jensen. I'm gonna I'll, I'm gonna let people finish, and then I'm gonna try to gather thoughts because I think we have a lot of different items floating in parallel. Uh, my preference is we'll do one of these at a time rather than bundle because it might become a little bit unwieldy. So hold those in your in your brain right now for a potential motion or 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 action item. Um, I think I lost my place. Uh, 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 Dr. Swift, Dr. Swift, then Mr. Frasky, then Dr. Tornabene. Hi. Um, thank you so much for inviting me to share my perspective and some of the perspective of um, our HETI committee, some HETI committee members. Uh, before I, I just start talking about that, I, I wanted to share a story from clinic. Uh, I shared this with Taft earlier. Um, I was in clinic on Monday and I saw a woman, uh, sort of mid thirties, and she was a mom speaking patient from Guatemala. Mm. My understanding about the mum language is that it's not really written and there are many, many dialects. So we got on the phone. Thank God we had a dual headset phone with the speaker. We were able to converse quickly. We got to the vendor and it became clear. We were able to get a mum speaking interpreter and it became clear a little after a little bit of time that the mum speaking interpreter didn't speak the same dialect that she did. And so then I asked the interpreter to, to get another mom speaking interpreter from. And so they, there was a bit of a pause, about five minutes. And, you know, our visits are only 20 minutes. Um, and so I learned that they didn't have another one available at the time. During this time, the patient became frustrated. She actually started speaking in Spanish. So I switched to a Spanish interpreter and asked her if we could speak in Spanish. And fortunately, we were able to communicate enough to understand about her throat pain. And I was able to talk about the importance of getting a COVID-19 vaccination and she agreed. So while we talk about pillars and how long things are and the clarity, I just wanna bring us back to you know, the idea of why we're here and who we serve. You know, I think we're, I've lost count of how old we are. We're over 150 years old. We were established with a particular purpose. And if you haven't had a chance, I encourage you to go to the Fairmont campus and look at the green scrapbook with, um, with newspaper clippings from the turn of the century that talk about the purpose of the Fairmont hospital and document all the way up until the 1930s. I'll say now that I have observed that our leadership, I feel so proud. You know, we have memos about our values. We are very quick to respond. We have presented here in the board meetings and we feel so much support. You know, Dr. Francis presented about our homeless health center. Um, Lily McRae recently presented about 
you know, our program to address patients who are frequently dependent on our emergency services in place of primary care. Um, but what's really lacking um, is that glue that connects that, those feelings and those presentations to this document. And then the impact of that absence is that operationally, it's unclear what we're talking about when we say we care about equity, when we say we care about justice, when how we define the community. I feel so proud to work here. I feel so proud to take care of patients. I'll share with you today <clears throat> that one of my family members is admitted to one of our hospitals. And so I say this as a, a family member, a physician, a community member. I'm sorry. You know, we're on the eve of the second year of George Floyd's murder. We are in the heady committee of, you know, really thinking about the legacy of hate, you know, what our Asian American and um, Pacific Islander community has experienced. Some of those racist practices started right here in the Bay Area and set the tone for the whole country. We have such an incredible privilege to serve this community. And so my recommendation is, yes, it's, a, you know, we can make it shorter. We can wordsmith pillars. But I really think we need a deep preamble where you clarify your values and exactly what you mean. So that when we you know, take care of patients, we save this document from being a collection of projects. The thing that makes it more than a collection of projects is that ethos, is that preamble, is a clarification. Do we believe in justice? What exactly do we mean when we're talking about it? I'm so sorry, I get so emotional. I really am so grateful to all of you for this opportunity. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Swift. Mr. Frasky, Dr. Tornabene. Trustee Jensen, is that an old hand or a new hand? Got it. Mr. Frasky, then Dr. Tornabene. Thank, thank you, Trustee Bouquet. I just wanted to respond to Alan's um, question of, of the operators and the executives around operationally meeting the intent of an aspirational statement like that. And um, I love the statement, number one. And I think if it does make us uncomfortable, it's because we haven't arrived yet. Um, and so I welcome that challenge and that opportunity to move toward operationalizing that aspirational statement, frankly. And um, like I said, if, if, there, if there's a feeling of uncomfortableness or unclarity on the operational approach to get there, that's good because it means we, we're not there and we need to be there. That's all I got. Thank you, Mr. Prasky. Dr. Tornabene. Thank you. Uh, I had just a small point on this, but I want to just also thank Dr. Swift for her courage. I am so in admiration, um, many of everything that you do. Um, so um, going to the document, there is one line in here that, that describes our system as a largely hospital-based. I do want to acknowledge um, the contributions of ambulatory 
we have on a monthly basis around 30,000 ambulatory visits and around 9,000 inpatient days. So there's a large scale of um, ambulatory visits. So while I completely agree that our health system and, and others um, are downstream, that's part of the problem is that healthcare is too far downstream. Um, I, I want to just, I hesitate to call our system fully hospital-based given how large our ambulatory system is. Thank you, Dr. Tornabene. I'm, I appreciate everyone's uh, deep dialogue on this issue. Uh, in managing this, I think we have a number of items out to play. One is the preamble. The other is there's arisen a, a, a discussion about pillar definitions. Another has risen about discussion about our promise, uh, which, which is included in, which was uh, con continued across from the prior strategic plan. Apologies, I have an overhead, give me a second. Level three trauma has been updated to a level two. So um, I'm gonna make a motion and uh, I'm gonna try to strip apart these items. My motion is uh, that uh, this board uh, supports the installation of a preamble statement to uh, the recently approved strategic plan, comma, this uh, 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 statement which was included become the basis for whatever uh, uh, preamble, whatever it becomes, comma, and uh, trustee Friedman becomes uh, the lead editor on this with the selection of the editorial committee of his choice, comma, and then it be brought back to this committee. Is that, is that uh, Madam Clerk, were you able to get that? I tried to do it, I gave you the commas too. The commas were helpful. I think I got it. Supporting an installation of a, uh, the preamble statement to the recently approved strategic plan, the statement included will become the basis for the preamble. And Trustee Friedman will be the lead editor with a committee uh, of his choice. And then it will come back to the board once it's edited. Can I entertain a second on that? Can I make a friendly amendment? Yes, ma'am, always. Though Trustee Banerjee is not here, she did originally author the, the preamble, and I think she should absolutely be named as a co-editor. Absolutely. Uh, uh, that, that is, uh, yes, ma'am, uh, appropriately received. Apologies to Trustee Banerjee. Uh, I just didn't want to speak for her, but you know what? This is, she's very, the, yes, that is very appropriate. So given that adjustment, Madam Clerk, um, do I have a second? Second. Madam Clerk, roll call. Uh, that was Trustee Blue who seconded, yes? Yep. Okay, thank you. Uh, Trustee Bouquet. Aye. Trustee Blue. Aye. Trustee Esteem. Aye. Trustee Fox. Aye. Trustee Friedman. He's here. You no, know, Trustee Friedman had to jump off oh. to another district uh, meeting. Well, apologies. He gets, a, he gets the uh, Trustee Jensen. Mm -hmm. Aye. Aye. Okay, that was that was an aye. And Trustee Splendorio. Aye. Madam Clerk. Can I get a thumbs up, Trustee Splendorio? I didn't see. He, oh, he said you. he said aye. Yeah. Okay, got it. Motion passes. Thank you. Wow. Okay, we got we got an action item. So uh, my next proposal is, is not an action item, but just to inform. 
I, I think uh, Trustee Jensen's uh, uh, comments, along with Trustee Banerjee, with regard to pillar definitions and our promise, I think are perfectly appropriate. Um, my, my recommendation, uh, Trustee Jensen, is that we either A, form an ad hoc committee, or B, migrate more of this work so we don't have to wordsmith in real time to the executive committee. Do you have an opinion on this as vice president? Well, um, Trustee Banerjee and I, uh, our conclusion was that it just, we should just lose the promise, but uh, I'm fine with having it discussed and, and changing it if that's the sense of the board. Well, I, I guess, uh, yeah, if we're going to lose our promise, what goes in, in its place? I just, I, I, I get, I, that would be my question. Do we have something well, to I, go I, in its stead? I see a strategic plan. I mean, this is our plan. That's what we're discussing. We're, we, we have these, we have a background, um, the, the background of uh, what we've been talking our mission and our vision and, and, and our promise. Uh, this promise isn't what our plan is, put it that way. So we could put in there um, our promise, if that's the words that would be most effective um, from a, from a uh, most acceptable, then, then we put in these, we address, um, not serve all, train, teach. We, we talk about um, equity. We talk about our, our partners in the community. We talk about our, our internal, um, our staff and clinicians and put those things in there. So, so uh, Matt, Trustee Jensen, you, you have a couple of options here. We can, you can propose to discuss or you actually have motion power. Uh, you can make a motion and then we can see what flies. Well, I've moved that we that the promise section and those, um, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, five uh, items be eliminated and the AHS mission, it'd be the AHS mission and vision and then go into the strategic plan. That's my motion. Is there a second for that? Can I hear that one more time? Um, should I share screen again? Her, uh, Trustee Esteen, her, her motion is that those elements from the prior strategic plan are promised uh, be stricken from the strategic plan. So basically, yeah. Is it possible to send that to the editing body that will be led by Trustee Friedman and Trustee Banerjee? So uh, are you proposing we expand this editorial committee's responsibility to include wordsmithing of the, uh, oh, sorry, decision, uh, sorry, recommendation? Yes. Uh, okay, because it's effectively an ad hoc committee. Yes. Would that be accessible, Trustee Jensen, as Trustee Banerjee is on that committee? We can migrate this to, and hear this editorial uh, committee respond back to us? Sure. Sure, that's fine. Just. I'm all in my motion just to have the that that page uh, of the plan and that section of the page be uh, reviewed by the editorial. Okay, so we'll we'll put that uh, we'll put that as part of that committee's work in in ad hoc, and and they can also have that discussion around the pillar as well. Is that acceptable, Trustee Jensen? Yes. Okay. With that, is there any other further discussion on this strategic plan? 
you know, when you're renovating, not that I'm renovating my house, but when you're renovating your house, you, you come out with a big, bold, bad, bad plan, right? It's already, and sometimes the shower isn't the right shower or sometimes there. So we're making adaptations. I think our strategic plan has good bones. And I think this is, this is part of the process. So I appreciate the trustees making the adaptation to our reno. Okay. So uh, with that, I think that closes out the open session item. I'll give it to any trustees who have any comments. Thank you, everyone. Uh, with that, that will um, uh, close the open session. Uh, we do not anticipate any action items to be reported when we come out of closed session. So everyone have a great evening. Trustees, we have a closed session item as noted in the agenda council. The board will now go into closed session to consider those items as stated on the agenda. The board met in closed session. The board took no reportable actions. Thank you, everybody. This closes the Wednesday, May 18, 2022 Board of Trustees special meeting. Everyone have a great night. Good night.